Take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, verse 49. I'm excited about this message. I really am. Not that I'm not excited about all the messages. But this one finishes off chapter 12. That's exciting. We are finishing off a chapter here and then moving on to chapter 13. Luke chapter 12, verse 49. Let's pray. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. We thank you for your goodness and your grace. Father, what an amazing thing, your church, that you have given us as a gift. You've drawn us to yourself. Father, you're working in our midst. Your Holy Spirit is <laughs> it's doing things in the midst. It's telling people to to go hug that person or go love on them or meet that need or talk to that person about the Lord. Father, your spirit is working in this group of people in such a mighty way. And Father, we don't take that for granted. We just do not take it for granted. And we thank you. We pray that this morning's message, Father, would just hit the heart that it would be your words and not mine. Father, I pray you would remove every idle word, every word that doesn't need to be said. Help me not to say it. Speak through me. In Jesus' name, amen. The title of the message today is Cloudy with a Chance of Spirituality. Cloudy, man, I'm spitting everywhere. I'm dry. I'm going to need that extra cup of coffee, I think, back there. Cloudy with a Chance of Spirituality. Let me ask you this question. Are you in the ready position? How many of you were here last week? Okay. Considering the fact that the Lord is coming back. If you weren't here, go back listen to the message because we're going in order here and we're finishing up chapter 12. But thinking about that, listen to me. Jesus is coming back. He asks that our loins be girded up. In other words... Put your uniform on. Are you dressed ready to work? Are you dressed ready to make a difference for the sake of the gospel? And that's my question. Are you in the ready position? He talks about having your lamps trimmed and burning. What does that mean? Are you illuminated in your mind with the knowledge of the word of God? Do you have an understanding biblically of what God wants to do in your life and through your life? And are you in the ready position? Are you watching for him? If you're not, this message hopefully will hit that reset button for you. Considering the story that Jesus told to this group of folks that, is, that have gathered around, to his disciples, to those that want to learn, and he just told them this parable about being ready, about watching for the imminent return of Jesus. Right? And it, it's almost like this... Like almost this weird paradigm as he's telling them the story because he's telling them while he's present. Think about that. The story that he's explaining to them, they're not fully understanding. They only know in part. Do you understand what I'm saying? He's telling them that the goodman's going to go away and when he returns, you better be watching. Well, Jesus is 
sitting there telling them this story. So Jesus has full understanding, full knowledge that he is going to be the one to go to the cross, die, and go away and return. So they're sitting there just like, okay, all right, not you. And then we read the end of this story where it says in, I think, 38, back up to, uh, I'll just paraphrase. He basically says, to whom much is given, much is required. So here we are. Fast forward 2,000 years. And we now have a fuller understanding. We now know that he's gone away. We now know that the 500 people that witnessed him after his resurrection were telling the truth. We now know that within the first 30 years there, that that the church was formed at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit of God fell. 2,000 souls were saved in one day added to the church. And multiplied and multiplied. And within just a few months, we're talking 10,000 believers. Within six months, we're talking 100,000 believers in Jerusalem at the hub when the Holy Spirit of God fell. And then the apostles were looking around going, now I get what Jesus was saying when he says, it's better that I go away. And he's gone. And great things have happened. And I'm afraid... That because it's been 2,000 years, we've fallen asleep. We're not as ready today as maybe they were back then. Maybe it's because from a nationalist perspective, they were wanting so much for him to establish that kingdom right away. And when that didn't happen, they were kind of let down. And here we are with, you know, about 400 years of a nation's history. and, And we're just as Americans falling into this slumber. Oh, our nation is in God we trust. But we don't act like it. We're more worried about the politics than we are the coming kingdom. We're more worried about the United States of America than we are the gospel worldwide kingdom that Jesus is going to bring about. What's wrong with us? We're not ready. We're not in the ready position. I just want to maybe shape your perspective a little bit. Maybe, maybe turn the corner for you with the gospel lens that Jesus is going to show. Let's look at Luke 12, 49 through 59. Man, this is some stuff. Listen to this. I am come to send fire on the earth. And what will I? If it be already kindled. In other words, it's going to happen. It's going to. It's in the future. I'm come to send fire on the earth. And what will I if it be already kindled? Verse 50. But I have a baptism to be baptized. And now, and how am I straightened till it be accomplished? In other words, we'll get into it a little bit more, but, and how am I straightened? That, the, the wording here is different. And if you have like a, maybe an ESV or an NIV, it might explain it a little bit more, but we'll come back to that. Suppose ye that I am come to give peace on earth? I tell you, what's the next word? Nay. Hmm. But rather, what's the next word? Division. Some of y'all are trying to do addition. Some of y'all are trying to do multiplication. And God called us to division sometimes. That's another message. What kind of math are you doing in your life? Sometimes addition isn't what he wants. 
That's prosperity gospel. Sometimes we think that more and more and more and more and God's blessing us because of so many people that are here. Yes, that can be a sign of growth, but not always. He's division. Verse 52. For from henceforth there shall be five in one house divided. Listen to this. Three against two and two against three. So now he's telling a story to define what he's talking about about division. You ready? The father shall be divided against the son, the son against the father, the mother against the daughter, and the daughter against the mother, the mother-in-law against the daughter-in-law. So that's probably the mom, the, the son is married, more than likely, right? The mother-in-law against the daughter-in-law, and the daughter-in-law against the mother-in-law. Watch this. And he said also to the people, when ye see a what? Cloud. <laughs> I love the way he says things. When you see a cloud rise out of the west, straightway ye say, there cometh a, a what? A shower. What do they say in, in Baltimore or Maryland? If you don't like the weather, what? That's right, wait 15 minutes, it'll change. But you see a cloud rise out in the west, straightway ye say, there cometh a shower, and so it what? And so it is. And when ye see the south wind blow, ye say there will be heat, and it cometh to pass. Here we go again, ye hypocrites. You can discern the face of the sky and of the earth, and how is it that ye do not discern this time? It's about to get real. Yea, and why even of yourselves judge ye not what is what? Right. When thou goest with thine adversary to the magistrate, another story, as thou art in the way, give diligence that thou mayest be delivered from him, lest he hail thee to the judge, and the judge deliver thee to the officer, and the officer cast thee into prison. Verse 59, I tell thee, Thou shalt not depart thence till thou hast paid the very last might. Let's walk through this. Understand this. Reality is that Jesus' coming will bring condemnation on all those that do not believe in him. Listen to this statement. Read it with me on the screen. Reality is that Jesus' coming will bring condemnation on all those that do not believe in him. That's the reality. Have you thought about this? All those that do not believe in Jesus, he's come to bring about condemnation. I don't think we're living this way. I don't think we're living in that reality, are we? John 3.36, he that believeth on the Son, listen to this scripture, he that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. He that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. God forbid I not stand up and preach the word of God where we are in this text and let somebody go to hell from this church. And let one of your friends and let one of your co-workers go to hell because you didn't share the love of Christ with them. Church, it's bigger than you and I. It's bigger than your personality. 
It's bigger than your ability or inability. It's bigger than your insecurity. I just can't say it. I'll get in trouble at work. I'll... But the wrath of God abideth on him. Before the world will feel the condemnation for their sins, listen to this, he was bruised. Watch it up there. Before the world is separated from God and all, and all they love for eternity, Jesus was separated from his Father and was bruised for our transgressions. Church, listen to me. It's time we get the right perspective. It's not enough that you come to church. It's not enough that you come here and pretend. This isn't an act. One day, he's going to come back. And if you don't believe, the wrath of God abideth on you. To whom much is given, what? Much is... It's time that we get real. We've got to get real with ourselves. And then we have to get ready. Before the world, listen, will feel the condemnation for their sins, he was bruised. How can a loving God send people to hell? How can a loving God condemn whole nations that don't know Jesus? A loving God condemned his son. A loving God poured out his wrath on his only begotten son before that nation that is an unbelieving nation before that country that leaves God or leaves their first love, before that church goes corrupt, before that organization misrepresents Scripture and the Bible, and before the the wrath of God will be poured out on this world, God poured it out on His Son. How can a just God? Because He's justified in doing what He did because He did it to Himself. A loving God doesn't just roast a nation, doesn't just roast an unbeliever, doesn't just say, I'm going to require your salvation, and if you don't believe, you're going to hell. A loving God doesn't do that first. What He did first was required it of His Son. And what He did first was He led His Son up to Golgotha onto a tree to die for your sins and mine. That's what He did first. Oh, I just... All these people that are around us that we're scared to share the gospel with. Man, what are they going to think? How are they going to approach? What am I going to say? It sounds like you don't have a full understanding of what the gospel is. It sounds like you haven't put the work in. It sounds like you're not discerning the times and the seasons. And it is time. And, And there is nothing left. There's nothing left for you to wait about. It's there. It's been done. It is fine. Church, before the world will feel the condemnation for their sins, he was bruised. Let's read this text. Is there another one before the scripture? Let's read this text. Isaiah 53, 4-5. Surely he hath borne our griefs. Think about this. Old Testament prophecy about what Jesus would go through. Listen to it. And carried our sorrows, yet did esteem him stricken, smitten of who? God. A loving God did it to His Son. A loving God smote His Son before He'll smite those that need judgment on this earth. He's justified in doing so. And afflicted. But He was wounded for whose? Our transgression. That's the Gospel. Our transgression. Jesus didn't do it because He was a sinner. He did it because we're sinners. 
This is the greatest story ever told. Why aren't you telling it? Why aren't you living it? Why hasn't it affected you? Why aren't you discerning the times? Lord knows if we see a cloud coming out from the distance, we know it's going to rain. Have you seen the signs of the times that he's coming back and condemnation will fall on unbelieving world? Why will it fall? Because it's already fallen on the Son of God. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him. And with His stripes, oh my goodness, we are healed. His stripes, we are healed. When we take communion and we eat of that bread and drink of that cup, there is healing that takes place not in that moment, but because of what He did for us. We're healed by that. You have a lost and dying world that cannot discern the times. They are blinded. They're lost. That's what it means. You're over here receiving healing. You're over here knowing that you're not in condemnation because condemnation has already fallen on the sun and you've accepted what he did. And by his stripes, you were healed. And you're just looking at them wallowing in it. You're looking at them lost in it. John 3.36, the wrath of God's going to abide on them. Before you say it's unjust, remember he did it to Jesus first before the world reaches their final state of judgment. Jesus beat the finality of death and won the victory. Before the world reaches their final state of judgment. Look at this church. Jesus beat the finality of death and won the victory. How many times do we get in a conversation about, I'm scared of death. I'm scared of the other. I just don't know. I I fear that moment. Hello, do you want a bigger door open to share the gospel? Would you like a bigger door? Because that's a pretty big one. He accomplished his work by defeating death, the very thing that the world is most scared about. He says, don't don't fear that. Look at this verse. 1 Corinthians 15, 55. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Puzzles. Oh, grave, where is thy victory? How many of us Christians talk like that? Bring it on. I'm good with death. And we wonder why they they were martyred. We wonder why that for their faith, Stephen was stoned in the book of Acts. We wonder why he was fixed on heaven as a bright light shining. Here we go. (laughs) He was looking down on Stephen and he knew he was talking to the heavenly father. And he says what? Forgive them. Oh my goodness. We can't forgive our neighbor for their dog pooping in our yard. I'm just saying. He forgave them when they were killing him. We have a real big perspective problem in this country. True? We see here that Jesus was living. Oh my goodness, listen to this. We see here that Jesus was living the Garden of Gethsemane daily. He was distressed and pressured with the weight of the task at hand. And then we see on the cross when he cries, it is finished. Look back at our text verse there in Luke. Suppose 51, I'm sorry, 50, but I have a baptism. A lot of you, you know, maybe that are new to this, you think he was already baptized. John the Baptist baptized him and it's a picture that we're going to follow. It's not what he's talking about. Remember the word baptism means immersion. 
It means to go down into. So think about that. But I have something that I have to be immersed into. Remember Isaiah 53. He was stricken. That word, how am I straightened? Stricken. How am I till it be accomplished? How am I set free? He's saying. Like he's in a straight jacket. The language here is very different. That's beneath the surface. He says, I have something that I have to be baptized. I have something that I have to be immersed into. You have no idea, but it, it's going to be the cross. I'm going to be immersed in the greatest pain and suffering that anyone has ever, ever seen, ever told, ever understood. And more than that, more than the physicality of it, I'm going to become your sin. He became sin. Who knew no sin. That we might be made the righteousness of God. Do you understand that he's saying here. I have to enter into something. That is so painful. That is so incredible. I don't know that I'm going to be able to bear it. And he gets to the garden of Gethsemane. He says let this cup pass from me. And many think about that moment. That he was there. He was in the wine press there. Being pressed. He was in that pressure since day one. When his earthly ministry began, listen to what he's saying. <laughs> Until I be straightened, till it be accomplished, I am out of whack. I am pressured. I'm oppressed until this thing comes to fruition. Jesus said, I am being just, oh, I'm being pressured. I'm being put in this mold. Imagine how the Son of God, perfect in all his ways, felt when he was close to sin. Imagine how he felt when he was surrounded with 12 and one of them was the devil. And he knew it. And he just knew that I have to go and I have to finish. I have to accomplish this work. That's why when he says it is finished, you realize that this whole time he was what? Burdened down with it. Here's the dilemma that we are faced with because of the gospel. Are you ready? Here's the dilemma that we're faced with. Not everyone will believe it. Church, did you hear what I said? The dilemma that we're faced with is not everyone will believe it. This will cause, what's the next word? Division for us that truly believe it. Why aren't we okay with that? I was, so we were, talk, we were talking, talking about this last night. It's going to get harder and harder for preachers of the gospel for me to stand up here and call sin what it is. It's going to get harder and harder. Why? Because everyone wants to say, include, inclusive. You're just as good. That's not the point. Every religion is the same. For you to say your religion is different from their religion, that's hate speech. No, it's not. It's love speech. It's me loving them because by that division, they'll receive the gospel. Look, look right here. From henceforth shall, shall be five in one house divided. Jesus said this. He said not only is it going to divide nations, but it's going to divide households. I'm not even talking about your coworker. I'm saying your kid. How many of you have seen this in the text before? I was reading this this week and I'm like, oh my goodness. He's called us to it. 
He's called us to understand that if you're living for Him, there's going to be times when your own kids don't believe it. When your own kids don't see it. Lord knows it's going to happen. Why? The prince and power of the air. Before He comes back, it's going to be a struggle. So why aren't we already on the offensive? Why aren't we already in the ready position to do what we know is right? Because to whom much is given, much is required. But we cave. We act like the stress is too much that we cannot bear it. We act like He didn't bring this upon us. Someone else brought it upon. No, He brought it. When He brought righteousness into this world and chose to save our sorry souls, He brought division. Because the dilemma is that there are people who aren't going to believe it. And the hardest thing probably are those that are closest to us that don't believe it. I want to just speak truth into you today, okay? I want to just speak it right into you. Hopefully this will give you a shot in the arm. Number one, spiritual family is greater than earthly family. Spiritual family is greater than earthly family. I don't know why that one is down there. This is hard. Look up here. I say that because I have no idea if anybody's looking up here. (laughs) Spiritual family is greater than earthly family. Remember that verse where he talked about those that aren't willing to forsake father, mother, and follow me? That would be the cross that they would bear. Remember that kind of language that Jesus... In chapter 14 of Luke, he's going to give that scenario again. We're going to see it in just a few. Maybe it might take us a couple months to get there. But the point is, what he's trying to make is that there's a family of believers that he's assembled, and you have to see that family as greater than your earthly family. This is... Some of you will not accept this, and I understand that. But I promise you, if you do accept it, this will give you the peace that you need to win your family. He's not willing that any should perish, but that what? All should come to repentance. Just let me just chat with you for a second. He loves every person that you love more than you love them. Remember that. Church, look up, look up here. Now I can see. Okay. He loves, let me say that again, every person that you love more than you love them. His grace and His love rescued and saved you. And the idea of grace, let me just help you with this, means that you didn't deserve it, right? Grace is favor that is shown to you that you didn't work for. So the point is, is anybody, that's what grace means, anybody can receive it. It's, he's not a respecter of persons, Scripture says. In other words, he's not saying, I'm going to give it to you and not going to give it to you. He's saying, if any believe, I'll save them. So our perspective is my spiritual family, I'm a part of the family of God, first will flow into your earthly family. 
But the problem is when you're living earthly family to spiritual family, your love is what's flowing and not the love of Christ. Your uh, exceptions that you make, your concessions, your, your, the things that you give into, the things that you think aren't a big deal because it's earthly family, those may be the very things that keep you from winning them to Jesus. But if they see you as being loyal to your Savior in a spiritual family knowing that this is what's right, Sorry, guys. Still figuring that thing. But if you're living spiritual family to earthly family, it will give you what you need, and that's grace. That's mercy. That's forgiveness. That's the fruits of the Spirit. But when we live earthly to spiritual, we're living from a place of flesh, right? Literally, earthly. Too spiritual. And there's too much emotion in that. You need to just partition your mind off. When I read this, I was just like, that's difficult. A house will be divided against itself. What are we going to do? How are we going to set this thing in order? And if we really accept what we just read last week, the fact that he's coming and it's imminent, we got to do something. Time's short. Don't raise your hand, but how many of you know someone right now that is not a believer? Not, you don't have to raise your hand. You can if you want. You can, you can if you want. You, you can raise your hand. Okay, raise your hand. How many of you know somebody who's not a believer? God bless you. <laughs> we all do. And maybe many of them are close to home. We've got to do something about that. Yes? Number one. Don't give up. Don't give up. If we set the record straight, if we, if we come to the spiritual side of the table, we see someone who went the nth degree, who went the final mile. We see someone who gave it all. We're literally being carried by the King of kings and Lord of lords. Isaiah 53 sets it straight that, that he was born, he bore our afflictions, our sorrows, he put them on himself. And if we live spiritual family to physical family, I promise you, don't give up because it's going to work. We can't be in this life miserable. Paul says if he wasn't raised from the dead, we're all men most miserable. But guess what? On the third day after Jesus was put in the grave, he came up out of there. He brought life. He conquered death. Everything that, listen, everything that is dead at that point, everything that this world brings to an end, everything that Satan tries to deceive us, to put maybe even behind us, God says, no, don't put it behind you. I'm going to redeem it. I'm going to make it new. I've got someone named Jesus that literally went the final mile and he'll adopt anybody. He says, the gate's open. It might be narrow. It might not be broad. Not everyone in the world will see it, but anyone can come through it. We got too many people that are loving and coddling people that aren't in the family of God when we need to be telling the truth. And don't give up. And don't give up. And don't give in. If you're saved, you're no better than they were. Your lifestyle's no better than theirs was. Your sin, it's the same as theirs. Don't give up. Isn't that another problem? Isn't that another problem? 
Maybe you've separated yourself. Maybe you thought you were better than them. Maybe you put yourself in that position with your earthly family and you were living that out with them and saying that you have to do this and you have to do that. That ain't it. Spiritual family said it's been done. Jesus Christ has saved us. He's redeemed us. Just walk through the door. Don't give up. Number two, don't give in. Don't give in. The day one Monday where you wake up tomorrow and you say, I'm going to live it out. I'm going to show them Jesus. This is going to be the greatest day of my life. All my family is going to come to know Jesus. All my friends. All my coworkers. And the devil, just like that, gets you to slip up. Gets you to sin. Gets you to give in. And then you say, I'm not worthy. I can't... (laughs) I can't live from a place of a spiritual family. My physical family knows who I am. They know exactly. Maybe it's about time you were honest with them. Maybe it's time you should be honest with yourself about who you really are and about how his grace is just as big to save you as it would be to save them. You see, you can't live spiritual family to earthly family as a hypocrite. You can't do it. Spiritual family is the gospel shines a light on who you were and it shows them who he is to save a wretch such as me. Don't give up. Don't give in. If you make that decision, it's not going to be an easy decision. And number three, don't lose hope. Don't lose hope. He hasn't come back yet. There's an old book about the confessions of the dying. Anybody ever seen that book? <clears throat> confessions of the lost and the saved on their deathbed. It's an old, old book. You should get that and read it. The very last moment of someone's life, God could redeem them. God could save them. You don't know. The saving work is not your work. Do you understand that? Don't give up. Don't give in. And don't lose hope. We don't sorrow. Remember 1 Thessalonians 4. We don't sorrow as those who have no hope. When someone dies, we know that there's hope of eternity. Why does that not make its way in our Monday through Friday? Why does that not make its way in our Monday through Friday, church? Spiritual family is greater than earthly family. Spiritual family lives forever. Do you understand what I'm saying? You're now a son and daughter of Jesus. That's what I mean. Spiritual family, I've been adopted into the family of God. I have an inheritance of eternal riches from Jesus. Like, this is crazy. Earthly family, come be a part of it with me. Earthly family, I love you. Coworkers, do you understand that I won the lottery? No joke. I won it. I had, I had all these scratch-off tickets, so to speak. I was trying to live a good life. Scratched off, fail. I was trying church after church, scratch off, fail. I tried the Book of Mormon, fail. I tried, I tried and tried and tried. Oh, but oh my goodness gracious, I got this one lottery ticket given to me, and it's called grace. And the Lord Jesus Christ said, winner. Said, I'm giving you all my riches. I'm giving you all my glory if you'll just accept it. I think there's two in here that know they got it, and the rest of you don't know. You're still on the fence. I think I got it. I'm kind of happy about it. Oh, but wait a minute. 
you're still looking to win the earthly lottery when you've already won the spiritual lottery. Do you see the difference? You're still trying to make a dent on earth when we need to bring about heaven to Some of y'all are still, it's coming. Hold on, we need to let them catch up, all right? Listen, Listen to me. That's how we pray. Let it be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're not living, remember our message is on prayer, we're not trying to push earth up to heaven. God, change my circumstance, please. (laughs) No. God, use my circumstances. Come work through my circumstances. God, my spiritual family is, is so important to me. Whatever needs to be done down here, you just go on and do it. That's a place of peace. That's a place of comfort. And I'm just going to pull some heaven resources down here to live through me. Oh, this is amazing. Woo-hoo. Guess what? I got grace. I got mercy. I got forgiveness. Oh, my goodness. I'm living in the spirit. The spirit of God's taking over. Instead of, <laughs> how many of you, your kids just know exactly what to do to make you angry? You know what I'm saying? Man, I got more hand raises on that. Let's try real quick. How many are willing to get $50 to the sound offering today? <laughs> anyway. While you were in the mood. Kids make you mad. Yeah. (laughs) Got it. I'm there. Listen. Listen. Stop living in the flesh. Stop living in the earth. The earthly things. Why don't we seek first the kingdom of God? Because I swear, I promise, if you get to that place and you're like, oh my goodness, my spiritual family is incredible. You won't give up, you won't give in, and you won't lose hope. Next, next slide. Spiritual family is greater than your earthly family. The the last thing here, the spiritual forecast. Listen, church, cloudy with a chance of spirituality. Jesus said here, (laughs) if it looks like rain and it rains, you know, I'm not saying I'm going to give you a job on Channel 4 as a meteorologist. You know what I'm saying? It's obvious, right? Listen, it's obvious. And how many of you think that the obvious things the weatherman gets, like, dude gets a pass on all the time, right? Like, that's the best job in the world. You can be wrong every day, and you still get paid duckies, you know what I'm saying? Cash duckies. (laughs) Spiritual forecast. Jesus says in this passage of Scripture, you're looking over there to the east, or the west, whichever one it was. I see a storm coming. The wind's blowing right here. Guys, we're having rain in about 15 minutes. You wait for it, because I really like rain. And then he says, there's a south wind blowing. There was a south wind blowing this morning. I was getting in touch with my Nashville side. You know what I mean? It's like a honky-tonk up in here. You know what I mean? But he says, still felt like worship. <laughs> Mess. There's a south wind blowing. Guess what? It's going to be what? Hot today. That's what the scripture says. And he goes, what's wrong with you all spiritually speaking? You can tell everybody that it's going to rain. You can tell everybody that it's going to be hot. But you can't tell anybody that I'm coming back. You can't see it in the signs. You think that president's going to fix things for you? You think, you, you think a little bit of money? You think that promotion's going to get it for you? You just keep telling yourself that. You keep building your, this great earthly life all around. You just, you just keep doing your thing. It's going to rain. Yep. This is going to make me happy. Nope. You just keep trying. 
Jesus says, just like you can tell the weather, guess what? Spiritually speaking, you should be able to tell that I'm coming back and that Satan is running rampant in this world and that any moment now, it's imminent, it's going to rain. He's going to come back and snatch his church out. Number one, it's hot, church. Spiritual forecast, just in case you're having trouble discerning it, it's hot with a chance of fire. When he comes back, he's going to bring division. He's going to bring judgment. It's only a season of time that you have to accept. And maybe this, I know it's not popular preaching, but it's true. Hell is hot. Hell is real. It wasn't made for you and I. It was made for the devil and one-third angels. But you know what? He's real good at deceiving people to come with him. And it's high time that we realize the spiritual forecast is any minute he could come back and hell's going to be a reality for those people that you're dancing around talking to about the gospel. Get over yourself. Get over your insecurities. It's hot. The south wind's blowing. The signs of the times are everywhere. Number two, it's cloudy with the ability of being crystal clear. In other words, it's all about perspective. It's all about perspective. And I'm going to tie this in with number three. It may seem like the weatherman is wrong, but one day we will see that he is always right. Here's a word for you to end this message. Discernment. The very last Stay with me. I'm shutting her down, circling the wagons. The very last story he gives is one that thinks he's going to win a case, and he takes it to the judge. And the Bible says, you think you're going to win that case, and then you tell locked in prison, and you're not leaving until you pay every penny. That's what the end verse says in this chapter. They were so confident that they won the case. They were marching in there. I got all my proof. Hmm. Pay back every penny. And the judge says, you're guilty, and he locked them away. Jesus says, the problem is, is we have a lack of discernment. You think you know, but you don't know. You think you know what's right. But unfortunately, you've been deceived. Just in case you're wondering, it's hot with a chance of fire. And it's cloudy with inevitability of being crystal clear. Jesus will set all things in order. So just when you think, listen, just when you think that he's not working in your life, remember that his ways are not your ways. His thoughts are not your thoughts. You feel me? Every head bowed, every eye closed. I've given you the spiritual forecast. You just got to do something with it. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm going to read you this text while you're praying. Isaiah 55, 6 through 11. Seek ye the Lord. Listen to these words, church. Listen to these words. Very important. There's nothing more important right now than what's being read to you from the scriptures. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the, earth, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down, listen to this forecast, 
and the snow from heaven, and returneth not hither, but watereth the earth, and and maketh it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater. So shall my words, listen, that goeth forth out of my mouth, it shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. The bottom line, the word of God will accomplish its work.